like or you style it when it's like all straight oh yeah and she and you a little laugh <laughs> and she's like berries and cream berries and cream uh did you take my shirt no okay good morning good afternoon morning. evening hello good afternoon and Welcome back to another episode of Did, Did You Take, you my, take shirt? my Shirt? I'm your, <laughs> I'm your host, Katie. I'm your host, Amy. And this is episode seven. That's my lucky favorite number. Yeah, it is. I know everyone has that, but I feel like I claimed it before everybody else. So yeah, I, I, I can vouch for you for that. Everyone else is like super unoriginal. Yeah, mine's because we have seven people in the family. Not anymore, oh. though. Mine is because I have killed seven people. Oh, <gasps> Caitlin! Uh, <laughs> Just kidding, I take it back. <laughs> it's eight. Stop lying. Yeah, I really should not undermine myself. You know, I need to be nicer to me. You do need to be kinder to yourself. <laughs> Self-care aware. Beware. Self-care. I'm an advocate for self-care and treating yourself and treat yourself. Treat yourself. Hey, yeah. how did your last week, uh, how'd your last week of work go? Oh, geez. I'm really, I'm really you don't want to talk about it. I'm really happy it's over. Um, I'll tell you a story later. So you had a bad day. You've taken one down. I feel, but I'm fine Did you now, sing a sad, sad song and turn it around? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you had, had a bad, bad day. day. I forgot where we were at with how our weeks went. You're, you're like, can I, you're like, I can't tell you. And I was like, that's probably a good idea. And then like, so. Um, so cut scene. I, I just told Amy a story that I can't tell everybody. <laughs> And it was kind of long. It was too long to put in the podcast. Yep. It was too long to say on the podcast. So she told me and (laughs) (laughs) there we are. (laughs) And then I forgot what we were talking about, but the rest of my week is good. I'm moving this weekend and um, in with Ryan and we're going to do that. And then hopefully, yeah. And then hope move all the big stuff at least. And then see Shane Chi, uh, the new. Shane Chi. Shane Chi. Shane Chi. Shane Chi is the new um, Marvel movie that just came out. Ooh. Yeah, so cool. Shane Chi, the legend of the rings, of the ten rings. That um, sounds really cool. Yeah, it looks fun. And then Ryan has some friends in town, so we might. Do Ryan that, has but... friends? I know. Weird. <laughs> yeah, how was your week? I did nothing. Nice. Yeah. I'm not, I have zero daycare kids. And so I did a lot of house chores. So yeah. yeah. Um, That's that nice. was fun. Yeah. It was really your, nice. You got a little decorated area behind you, and they love that. That one says, don't be a scaredy cat. That, okay. That one. Don't be a scary cat. Got it. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I still need to decorate for fall because here, I don't know how it is like everywhere else, even though I should, but here it's like almost not fall anymore and I've still yet to decorate. Yeah, it's almost winter for you guys. I know. So it normally snows at the end of September at least once. So yeah. I need to decorate for fall and... um I'm just being lazy. I don't know why. I have literally nothing else better to do. That's okay. Sometimes it's good to take it easy. But I want to. That's the thing. I just need to do it. I'm going to let Jake in the door. He's at the door, like, with his paw under the, like, under the the little crack. Mom. Yeah. I am here. I'm trying to be quiet. I got Jake and Zoe. They literally, they're like, we were told we have to be quiet, so we, here's the paw, so you know we're here, but we won't bark. <gasps> Zoe, girl! Hi, baby! Hi, Hi Amy. I love it's you. Not, <laughs> it's not generating her because she's white. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's how last week, like, my light was so bright on my computer. Like, my whole face was, like, white, white. I saw that. You look cool, though. (laughs) I was like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) You live in Alaska? (laughs) Alaska, I'm a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) So do we have a Disney story this week? Yeah, we do. I, um, so I, my... Okay, so another thing that happened this week was Alice. No, that's okay. Alice has this, like, my daughter has this weird stomach thing going on. Like, she's got gut issues or something. And, like, she either needs to, like, dairy needs to be cut out or gluten or something. Like, something needs to be cut out of her diet because she gets bad stomach aches. And, like, you know, as, like, parents, you're like, go to the bathroom, like, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And nothing seems to help. And so she went to school on Wednesday and sh- within 30 minutes, she got, I got a phone call saying Alice needs to get picked up because she has a tummy ache. And I was like, because that is a symptom of COVID and like, mm-hmm. of, I understand it. And like, I obey the, all the rules, but I got there and I was like trying to explain to the teach the administrator, like what her issue is. And she's like, yeah, so doesn't matter you still need to get her tested yeah so which is fine but and I can get a doctor's note saying like it's not COVID she's just has a tummy like she's got something else going on Mm -hmm. but which so that they can keep it in her file and not send her out every time but yeah until then so she's been home with me because she needs we're waiting for her COVID test to come back this poor girl gets more COVID tests than anyone else I know. She really does. <laughs> I, know. Alice. I know. So uh, we did that on Wednesday. And so she can't go. And like, I, I know she doesn't have COVID because she hasn't been around anybody. Yeah. And so, and like, we're vaccinated or I'm vaccinated or whatever. And so I like, I was like, man, you got to get out of the house. So I took her to the library while I was researching this, which was really nice. And yeah, uh, that sounds fun. I love libraries. 
Dude, our light, I've never been in our library is so nice. It's like the mm-hmm. nicest library I've ever been in. I mean, probably everybody else's is probably a lot nicer, but um, compared to the libraries I've been in, I was like, man, our library is so nice. So she read books and her friend, mm-hmm. her friend Addie is in town too. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, I took both of them to the library. And so Alice read books to her while I researched. So, oh no, it says my internet oh, is. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So here is. So I looked up the Disney story and I actually looked up one and I didn't like it. So I looked up another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one uh, on September 22nd, 2000, a four year, this one's really sad, but a four year old uh, boy fell out of a taxi cab cart or, you know, like the little buggy things. Um a taxi cab cart on Roger Rabbit in Disneyland. Um, He fell onto the tracks and another cart rolled over him and folded him in half. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, And after 10 minutes, EMS were able to free him, but they had gone, but he had gone into cardiac arrest. Uh, He is, he, he was alive. They took him to the hospital. Um, he suffered brain damage, a brain damage, um, and he was unable to walk or talk ever again. Uh, after nine painful years of struggling, he uh, passed away on July 26, 2009. Oh, my gosh. No. OSHA uh, determined that the cast member did not secure his lap belt properly. and. Um, this young boy's name was Brandon. Brandon's family and his Disney settled out of court for the suing of it. But I don't know if it was like, you know how when you're on the cart, like you get into a cart and it's like one that's not like fast or whatever. And they pull down the, the light lap belt and it's like yeah. metal. If you're with like an adult and you're that little, like they really aren't that secure the kids and so it makes me wonder like if because roger rabbit like i'm thinking properly it like you kind of like go around like sharp like kind of like sharp turner corners but you're not going that fast but it can like the right if you hit the right corner just just good enough and like the right size kid i mean he's four he could have been super tiny yeah like fall can easily fall out that is so scary. I know. So, and that's, what's funny is, like, that's something that I think about when they, like, pull down the lap belt and I'd be, like, sitting next to Alice. I'm like, well, you're not secure, but I got you. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> you just, like, do the classic, like, old mom seatbelt yes. trick. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, gosh. Poor Brandon and his family, but sounds i mean he didn't die right away but it sounds like it wasn't a very uh fun nine years with him yeah i know roger rabbit too i know i never liked that ride (laughs) that ride was the worst (laughs) yeah they don't have it anymore i don't think no because roger roger i mean roger rabbit um i don't know if they still have it but i always felt like I never caught on to it and I didn't really understand like it relating to Disney. It didn't feel like it could or did. No, 
uh, have you seen it on Disney Plus? Mm-mm, no. It's on Disney Plus. And I watched it one day with uh, Alice. And I was like, I really don't like this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't remember it being good. I don't think it was, I don't think it was Disney, though, produced by Disney. I could be wrong. I feel like that was more of a universal or something. I don't know. I actually have no idea. I'm trying to think, and I don't think it was. Yeah. Um, what? How long? You said you had a longer story today? It's a little long, yeah. Um, mine is pretty short. So okay. should I go first or do you want to go first? You can go first. I think that I went first last week, so I am all for you taking the floor. Okay. Um, mine is mine is really kind of more facts than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why, because I could hardly find any information on it. I could find like articles of like the aftermath. Yeah. It really didn't go into details of what actually conspired or hmm. uh, like what happened. And yeah. then, um, uh, like, I read the court, the court documents on it. And so that's kind of like what I went off of. And, you know, but court documents aren't very, uh, they're like detailed in a sense, but not more of like, factuality sort of thing so yeah. uh they don't I don't know for some reason it was just the and it will make sense as I'm telling this story you're like okay this makes sense because like um I don't know it's just it's it's shorter but mm-hmm. uh yeah I don't know it's very interesting so we're in Connecticut this this week and um Connecticut, as everyone knows, is one of the largest states in the United States. Um, and it's full of a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for you to catch on. You didn't say anything. Sorry, Ryan, distract me. <laughs> oh. So we're in Connecticut and it is 1990. So basically, okay. I'm going to give you... Um, we're just we're going right into it and um just keep up so on uh, (laughs) on sunday april 1st 1990 uh bridgeport connecticut's fire station was dispatched to a vehicle on fire on crescent and bunnell bunnell street um and that is where they discovered the body of 39-year-old Sharon C. She was in front, she was in the front passenger seat nude from the waist down. Um, and she was disconfigured from the burns, but they also noticed a ligature mark wrapped around her head, like her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, DNA was collected and uh, the cause of death was asphyxiation caused by strangulation. Um, so she died, she died before the car was set on fire. Mm-hmm. On March 28th, 1992, the Bridgeport Police Department was, uh, sent to the home of a 29-year-old Minnie. 
uh, on east on the east end of town of Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnie was found laying in the living room on her side, partially nude, with stab wounds on her neck, side, left chest, forehead, and stomach area. Oh um, and they also found her three-year-old son, but he was unharmed. Oh, but just oh the th- just the thought of like your mom dying that way and being there and you're just like what happened Uh, i know um minnie's cause of death was multiple stab wounds and strangulation and dna was collected from two partially smoked cigarettes near her body um it doesn't get they weren't they weren't her cigarettes well they didn't know they just they found two partially smoked cigarettes and yeah so a year later um, on March, April 19th, 1993. Uh, oh, and the first one and the second, the first death and the sec- second death, there was two years in between. Yeah. And then a year later on March, April 19th, 1993, Elizabeth was found lifeless in an abandoned building at the corner of Stratford and Fifth Street. Um, Elizabeth's pants were undone. Her shirt and bra were pulled up. The investigation team found blood splatters on the walls. And her cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head and strangulation. Um, DNA was collected. Yep. Uh, DNA was collected from under her fingernails and from the blood splatters. Um, so a year, uh, the same year, but only two months later, on June 28th, uh, 1993, 29-year-old Shelia E has been missing had been missing for two days. Um, she wasn't showing up to work or answering her phone calls. Uh, so her father and her friend entered her apartment through the window. Uh, they found and they found her body on the bedroom floor. Her left eye had been hemorrhaged, hemorrhaged, and her neck muscle was discolored. Um and they ruled her cause of death undetermined because of her left eye and her neck muscle. They're like, we can't determine specifically, but they uh, so they ruled it undetermined, but it was more likely they suggested strangulation. Yeah. And a beer can was collected for D- DNA sampling um, on Sunday. So this is the next year on Sunday, mm-hmm. July 10th. That's our anniversary. Uh, recognized. <laughs> 1994, Evelyn C., a 37-year-old uh, woman, was found dead in her home in the, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Vidalia, 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 Georgia. Uh, right. Huh? Sounds right. Okay. But, and this is in Georgia, but her body was found dead in a home in Vidalia, Georgia, Vidalia. Um, she was strangled to death and had a stab wound on her neck. Um, and so all those women had the same thing in common, strangulation. Um, some of them had stab wounds. Um, they also, none of them were sex workers or anything like that, but they all uh, were known for drug use. Yeah. Um, and kind of being in the, like, the lower income parts of town. Mm-hmm. Um but after a short investigation into uh, Evelyn, the last uh, victim, um, they arrested a man named Emmanuel Webb. Mm-hmm. So Emmanuel Webb was born in Vidalia, Georgia, 
on April 9th, 1966. Uh, his family moved to Mount, Mount Vernon, Georgia, and that's where his father passed away from pneumonia. Um, in 1984, Webb graduated from high school and moved to Bridgeport to live with his older sister. Um, so he graduated high school to live with his older sister. Um, Webb also, when he lived, moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut with his sister or to be with his sister, he worked two separate worked for two separate companies while living there. Uh Burden Security for Fair, of Fairfield and J&B Construction of Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Um, he also started talking to and dating a woman in 1986 named J.D. Hansen. And they moved in together and on Smith Street. And then later they had two kids and lived on Coral Street or Coral Street. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so there sounds like they're having a great life. Um, but his mother got sick um, in 1993. So uh, not sick, but she was getting older, I should say. Um, yeah. So his mother uh, was getting older. So him and his family eventually moved back to Mount Vernon to be with her in 1993. And Emmanuel said... Uh, when he got arrested, when they were talking to her, talking to him and uh, investigating, uh, what is it called? Interrogating him. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel said, uh, well, he was, the, the, him and Evelyn were just having rough intercourse and um, there was an accident and she died. So he staged her house as a robbery to make it look like it wasn't him. And then you just left. <laughs> why would you be like it was an accident like and then left it at that he's like oopsies bye oopsies I killed you bye do I need to tell anyone nah they'll find her I'll make it look like it was a robbery no one will notice yeah yeah (laughs) so um he was trialed for manslaughter, but he ended up pleading guilty to involuntary manslaughter. Um, and so he was in jail for quite a long time. It really wasn't that long. It was like maybe 10 years, but not even that. Um, yep. Because he was paroled in 2001. Of course he was. Yep. Uh, but still all those women in Bridgeport still had those murders had those deaths have still gone unsolved yeah um and so 10 years later because from the first murder which was 1990 um 10 years later in 2000 detectives with the bridgeport uh the bridgeport cold case unit picked up the east end murders is what uh all the ones that were that's not what they were called at the time. They called they were called that later, mm-hmm. um, but they they end up picking up all these cold case files, and so um, they re investigated fifteen murders of young women between the late nineteen eighties and the early nineteen nineties, and they yeah. selected ten that were similar, with like the same uh, deaths, the same. Uh, 
profile, same, like around the same age, the way that they died, the way uh, their, the each person's, what is it, their profile, like the type of work that they do and stuff like that, and the, yeah, the yeah. circles. So, um, and these 10 women also were associated with each other one way or another, like they kind of like ran in the same circles of friends. Yeah. Um, so the evidence from four cases were sent to the FBI for comparison in DNA matching. And those four, uh, cases was Sharon's, Minnie's, Elizabeth's, and Shulia's. Um, and back in, like, when those murders first happened, like, the technology wasn't there for DNA matching. So, um, it was, that's why, you know, one of the reasons why they didn't do it right away, but, uh, they, they sent them off now. Uh, yeah. Into that. So, um, in each of one of those cases, that Webb's, uh, Emmanuel Webb's DNA was matched to <gasps> those murders. No. Yep. Did, bet you Whoa. didn't see that coming, did ya? I had a little suspicion, but... Um, and so, and he, when they looked back, like, and investigated it more, like, he met those women either, like, at a bar, or they met, he met them at work, or through work, or through a friend, so he was meeting with these women, hooking up with them, and then murdering them. What a monster. What a piece of trash. What a monster. What a monster monster you're a monster you're a monster uh oh it's from uh gingerbread cookie and he's oh like, from uh, shrek yeah run 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 as fast as you can i punch me you're the gingerbread you're a monster uh when he would pull up the uh uh asking for where the uh where is the where is he and like threatening to pull off the belly button the gumdrops on his yeah, belly button. He, he took his legs off and then he goes, run, run, run as fast as you can. Lord fart, 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 quad. Lord fart, quad. Run, run, run as fast as you can. And he goes, you were a monster. You monster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'm wearing a Shrek shirt. Look. No way. You have a Shrek shirt. Sick, dude. Do you see it? Hell yeah. That is such so a funny. cool shirt. That's so funny. We're talking about that. I love your shirt. Where'd you get that? I got it at Walmart. I was just going to say, did you get that at Walmart? 100% dude. Sick. <laughs> I love Shrek. <laughs> no, me too. So um, in 2006, uh, Webb was charged. Oh. Another thing that happened was, so these investigators, the cold case investigators, called his sister's home or called the house where he was living, which I guess his sister was living there now, too. And they're like, asked, they're like, hey, we think that your brother is involved in these murders up here in Connecticut. And she's like, he lives with our 80 year old mother and she's sick. How dare you? And they're like. Uh, that doesn't stop him from being a terrible person. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was so weird. But in 2006, Webb was charged for killing three of the four women. And um, from what I could gather was that the fourth one with the uh, death that was undetermined, since they didn't say it was because of strangulation, they could not, like, convict him of that. But he was uh, charged for killing three of the four women. And he was in jail at the time uh, because... He violated his parole from the the murder that he did in Georgia. And you know how he's, he was released on parole in 2001. But in 2006, he violated that parole. So he was back in jail. Uh, so luckily, he wasn't like running around doing more. But um, he was sentenced to 60 years in prison in 2008. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth, one of the victims, her daughter attended um, the trials and she said, uh, it destroyed my life. I want him to suffer so he can think about all the pain he has caused. Yeah, he should. Yeah. And so that's a super short story. Sad, though. Jesus, he was a serial killer. He was a serial killer. No one knew. Like, could there's uh, there was 15 deaths 15 cold cases so they they suspect that he could have done more but these are the ones that they could really um pinpoint and convict him on yeah but um how disappointing that he only got charged for one no for four. Oh, for three four, for three sorry four total four total yeah because there was one in Georgia when they moved that's, back to Georgia, but that's what I meant. He only did, got charged not for one. Shelia, Shelia was the one that they didn't get uh, justice for, but I'm sure with technology nowadays, very much. Yeah, I mean, that that man's gonna die in there because if he was charged for sixty years and he was forty something at the time, yeah, he's getting old. Yeah, unless they release him on parole. Because... Living a nice, comfy life in jail. <laughs> um, story. I like um, your background. Thank you. I really it's, like that movie. It, it's, if anyone is uh, listening and is not viewing, you can view our videos in full. With, um, on If you join our Patreon for $5 a month. Um but I have the little avatar guy that, like, when he's in the tank, and uh, I don't know if anyone has been to Animal Kingdom and Disney World, there's a whole avatar land, which I'm always like, it's my favorite, like, land because it's so cool. Um, it I is, especially like, at night. At night, I don't even like Avatar that much. It has made <laughs> me like Avatar. Um, <laughs> Same. But- um, but it's on their flight of passage, uh, ride when you like go and walk up and when you're like, you know how, like when you're waiting in line at some, in some Disney, the queues, they, have, the queues, they have like, um, I don't know. They have means to like relate to the ride, like how in the star Wars ride, they have like R2D2 and C3PO yeah. and, uh, things to entertain you at and look at. Yeah. While you're waiting, um, yeah. in line. And they have the, the a giant avatar and a giant tank in the in the one of it's the huge. It's the it's size really of what funny. they would be. 
it's really creepy too because it moves yeah so uh I have that behind me uh the actual so. thing no just in the, your room. no <laughs> yeah I'm in Disney I'm recording uh Disney World right now okay that's so rude that you didn't take me <laughs> um that'd be no, really cool to do no it's the yeah that would be fun Maybe we should do that when we go to Disney World next. Yeah. Have our mom. Like, yeah, our mom can record and maybe we can do like a live of us. In like walking. Oh, we can get those tiny cameras or mi- microphones that everyone has on TikTok. And yeah, we can, and like, then, uh, go ahead. We could like tell stories. Yeah, and then we have little GoPros. Yeah. And like the people <laughs> in front of us are like talking. We're like, shh. We're telling a murder story. I don't think you can have GoPros in this. You can have GoPros. You can't have selfie sticks. Got it. Well, that's an idea. We'll hold, that would we'll be that so much close. fun. We'll our, put, that, uh, put that in our back pocket. Our mom can be our, our, our videographer. Yeah. She'd be like, I don't, I don't want to do I this. Don't know. Like, I don't know how. She's like, I don't know how. <laughs> we'll teach I'm you not how. good at this. And then she would give it to Alice. Alice, you'd be better at this than me. And then Alice is like videoing herself the whole time. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Are you ready to buckle up and get ready for a cannibal story? Yeah, I was going to say a reference to the story on Disney World earlier, but I Disneyland, but I decided that would be morbid. So, yes. I was going to say, yeah, I hope my lot belt stays intact. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope so also. Jeez. That's <laughs> not right. Roger Rabbit. Jesus. Is this Roger um, the cannibal of Roger Rabbit? Yeah, it is. Uh, so I'll just say, like, I out of, like, any true crime story, cannibalism stories like kind of intrigue me the most um I'm not sure why it's not because like I enjoy the cons like the act of it it's obviously like very morbid and disgusting well it's fascinating Um, that someone has a desire or that yeah it's definitely fascinating it's also like fascinating to like what they say afterwards or like how their reaction is to it um and like the whole psychological thing behind it is like very interesting to yes. me yeah. um the desire to like eat another person is like beyond me honestly um I have but... go ahead no go ahead I was gonna say something that one of my old friends told me when I had Alice or asked me was uh after I had her she said do you ever look at her and feel like like you just want to eat her what yeah <laughs> And I was like, I looked at her and I was like, no, I mean, like, I'll kiss her little feet and be like, oh, I love you so much. I'm going to eat you. But like, as like being. We're not cats. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, she told me that a lot of her friends have told her, like warned her when she had her kids, like, you might get the desire to want to eat your baby because you you love them you love them so much that there's no other way to express your love besides to eat them what and I was like I promise I love my kid just as much as the next person but I never felt like I needed to eat her 
you lo- don't you love them enough to not kill them? <laughs> it was so weird. I was just, and that stuck with me forever. Maybe it's like a, a mom brain thing. Because, I mean, obviously, I don't have kids. You have kids. And I have one. Every- other people have kids, um, so I can't really say, but. I will say, I, I said that to our mom, and she's like, I never felt that way, so. Yeah, that seems like a, that seems a little bit, a little a bit, bit much. I don't know, it's just something that <laughs> stuck with me, and I was just like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't like it. Yeah, I'm gonna think about it now when I have kids, and like, try not to think about it. <laughs> You're just like. I don't want to eat their feet right now. No, don't think that. Don't think that. <laughs> um, reverse psychology for myself. Um, all right. So, yeah, cannibal story. Uh, if you're squeamish, I wouldn't um, listen, listen anyways. But you can. It, honestly, I'm not going to go super into con- into graphic detail with it. Um, it's just a basic, basic cannibal story. I don't know if anything's basic about that, but um, I'm like the so, opposite. I like to tell all the all the gory details. Uh, yeah, it's 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 gross. Um, so today I will be speaking about a about Tyree Lincoln Smith. Smith Tyree. was born. Yeah, Tyree Lincoln Smith. Smith. I don't know if I've heard this one before. Uh, it's, it was new to me when I was researching it. Yeah, so cool. Smith was born to Cheryl Rabb and Adolf Smith, Smith on January 11th, 1977, and grew up in Ansonia, Connecticut. His mother was 18 at the time of his birth, and his father was 21. Yep. So they were pretty young. Uh, I also read that they decided to get married Um a few months after his seventh birthday. So uh, oh, okay. he, they got a little bit later um, as he kind of was a little bit older. Yeah. Um, Smith completed three years of high school, um, and but he ended up dropping out in 1994. Where did he do that? I don't know. It didn't say. Um, but he, left. I know. Uh, he did end up enrolling in a job corps. Um, if anyone doesn't know what job corps is, it's a vocational training program um, administrated by the U.S. Department of Labor, and it is supposed to help young people learn a trade um, while earning a high school diploma. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, he, he still got his high school diploma, um, but it was like also he uh, studied to, for a, a trade. Um, which seems like kind of smart. I mean, high school doesn't really prepare you for anything else besides college. Yeah. Um, college isn't for everyone. So he finished finished all of that and everything. And then he decides to move to California, um, where his cousin Nicole said he worked as a model. I so, think you could model. <laughs> thank you. You could model too. <laughs> so he actually uh, fathered his son there in the late 90s and he would live uh, end up living there for a few years okay um he had a son in california yeah in california he had a son with his girlfriend um but smith ended up getting charged with assaulting his girlfriend by police in yolo county yolo hey that's our 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 near us where we were 
passing that all the time and being like YOLO YOLO when you only live once was like a yeah. trend <laughs> yeah. yeah was charged for assaulting his girlfriend um he was convicted but put on probation for promotion promotion never heard of that before and he actually served no prison time but it was also unclear if he sought mental health treatment during his time in california um you know when they did an investigating later on uh they found a post from september 2010 on facebook um that he posted that he was seeking psychiatry, psych, oh, psychiatric help. I so this said, is when quote, he was on probation. Uh, yeah, no, because this 2007. This was in 2010. Okay. Um, I don't know if he was still on probation, but he was in um, California. Yeah, he was in California. Gotcha. Okay. So he he was posted on Facebook. Uh that he was receiving psychiatric help and he said omw that means on my way to the shrinks now see you guys that's what he he made a facebook post saying that thank you Uh, so much tyree for letting (laughs) us know that you're on your way to the shrinks (laughs) i just remember like it brought me back to sharing like way too much on facebook So he spent the last couple of years super involved in his writing. Uh, He was a writer and um, he was working on a book about his life and he was hoping to um, hoping to eventually get it put together to the point where it was like satisfactory to him. Right. Uh, He was super involved in it. It meant a lot to him. Um, That's good. It's good to have something that means a lot to you. Yeah. About a year later from his Facebook post. Uh, he it posted excessively about his frustration frustrations in the, with the writing process. Okay. He would say, I've tried really hard to write this book. First, I lose 150 pages worth of work. Now, somehow my flash drive to back up is missing. It has about 300 pages worth of work. I really do hope I misplaced it, which I can't see due to the fact I do not move anything on my desk. This is a whole Facebook post. I'm not going to accuse my son of somehow always do somehow always do when someone something turns up missing. Eight hours later, Smith posted that he found the missing flash drive. Oh, okay. good. He said, "Okay, I drink a lot." He wrote, "But <laughs> there's no way in hell this flash drive was sitting in literally in front of me like this. All I had to do is raise my head. It was even in eye level too. Okay, I'm done being paranoid." Thanks again. I should stop playing so many war games. What does board games have to do with it? <laughs> war games, like video oh, war. He <laughs> said yeah. board games. I was like, <laughs> leave board games out of this. So he's drinking a lot and playing a lot of war games and misplacing his flash drive. Dude, and I not when I said when I misplace my flash drive all the time so I feel it dude I don't have your other problems but I feel you like on I feel like when they say like I'm not going to blame my son you're 100% yeah. blaming your son yeah you're like talking yourself out of blaming your son yeah <laughs> so in June 2011 Smith moved to Lynn Haven, Florida. He, uh, not much was said after that long Facebook 
so sorry. It's like kind of jumping a little bit. This is okay. a few months, um, about a year later. So uh, he's doing his thing, writing his book. Um, in Florida. In two th- yeah, in July 2011. Smith moved to Lynn Haven, Florida, where he was there. Well, <laughs> he Work was hard, there. man. <laughs> he stayed. He was there, and he stayed with a Michelle Renee Mad- Madison. And he those are three up... first names. Yeah, they are. <laughs> They're kind of a ma- a mouthful. So he stayed stayed with Madison's like pretty off and on. Uh, she was a forty one year old uh, studies scholar. Uh, she met Smith in California, and they once lived two doors down. She once lived two do- doors down for a moment in a 12-unit apartment building in downtown Sacramento. Oh, nice. Um, so that's how they knew each other. Um, back then, uh, Matt Madison was an assistant professor at California State University in Sacramento. So uh, he was pretty close to her. And when he went to Florida, Florida, he ended up um, staying with her in Lynn Haven. So Was his kid with him at that time? Or I'm guessing the kid stayed with the mom? No, he went, he went on his own, definitely. Okay, so he stayed there for about seven months, according to a neighbor. Sometime in late November or early December, a neighbor who lives in the same complex um, that they were staying in, they encountered Smith in front of the building, and he was like gazing up at the sky. He was barefoot, and he was carrying a bottle of wine. Wine, and it was ten a.m. the neighbor complained about the incident to the landlord. They, the neighbor said that, that there was just something about him behavioral-like, and it made them un- super uncomfortable. Uh, also, probably... for day drinking. Yeah, maybe it was his day off. So, <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. So, on December 15th, Smith was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. He had traveled to the city by bus. He, so this is the same year, sorry. That's okay. Uh, 2011. Uh, Smith decided to take a city bus down to Bridgeport, Connecticut. He showed, and he ended up sh- showing up to his cousin Nicole's house. Hey, Bridgeport and- is where I was, where my city murder was placed. Nice. Maybe there's something about Bridgeport. He, so he ended up showing up at Nicole's house in Seaview Avenue apartment. Okay. <laughs> exact location. <laughs> Robin Smith appeared out of sorts. He was, oh, Rob said, sorry, not Rob and Smith. Tyree? Uh, Nicole, yeah. Nicole said Tyree appeared super out of sorts. He was drinking from a bottle of sake and was talking about a book he was writing about murder and rape and greek gods and inside the black book bag over shoulder was a small axe so nicole is like what the hell what's going on here what is going on like i'm super confused um he told his cousin he needed to get blood on his hands uh the arrest warrant describes what police believe happened next so you know he's at his cousin's that you know she's just like what is going on with you i'm super like concerned um that night 
So Smith ended up leaving Nichols. Uh, he had continued to drink. He curled up outside the banded, boarded up Brook Street apartment building where he used to live uh, growing up. Uh-huh. He was awakened by a homeless man whose name was Angel, Angel and went by Tantan Gonzalez. Yeah, so he ended up um, inviting Tyree inside to the building that was boarded off because it was like super cold. So he was like, do you want to come inside? Um, right. He was just laying, Tyree was just laying out front. Um, Gonzalez was super popular in the neighborhood. Um, you know, everyone really loved him. Uh, he stayed at, in that place often. And like Smith, he also once lived in the that uh, same building before it was boarded up. So they both had the same like similarity of it, like being nostalgic. Right. So once they're inside the apartment or the boarded up building, Smith said that he heard a voice that said, this is your blood. Police said Smith hacked Gonzalez to death with his axe and ate his body. Uh, Later on um, during the um, trial, uh, Smith would say that when he ate the eyeball, it tasted like an oyster. Uh, that was that's the only fact I'm gonna give on. Like, do you just slurp it back? <laughs> like, uh, sorry, nasty. I didn't have to go that far. Um, oh, but so, I like it. <laughs> gross. Um, so Gonzalez goes back to Nicole's house that night. He's sitting at the dinner table with Nicole. Oh, the next night, sorry. Next night. I saw her all night and I was like, same night, damn dude. Yeah. It was the next night. Okay. Uh, he was sitting at the dinner table with Nicole and he said to Nicole, I got my blood. And he started describing the killing in detail to his cousin. No. Uh, he said that the rush he felt while hacking Gonzalez had and consuming a piece of his body was unlike anything he had ever experienced before. The and he also told Nicole he had a sexual lust for blood. Could you imagine like one of our cousins just sitting there like you're eating spaghetti and they're just like, Yeah, and then I ate the eyeball and you're like, Oh my god, I would throw up. You just you hacked somebody like computer hacks yeah they're like no with an axe is that a new software like you're trying so hard not to know that they're a murderer now yeah um so what nicole decided to do she just kicked smith out of her apartment she was like oh hell no what the heck um sure but also call the cops um so the next day smith's mother cheryl smith did call the police she asked officers to check on the welfare of her son and after nicole told her what smith had so it's not calling the cops on your kid you're just saying go check on them well also you have to take note that like he also has been like kind of a little bit like he has medical uh mental care before um okay yeah yeah you're no, right 
I'm sure yeah. like someone that you wouldn't suspect to do this. I'm sure that he was like very loved by his family. They wouldn't right. assume right away that he would commit such a horrific crime. They were just like, maybe, you know, he, there's something going like on. Like he's not taking his medicine or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. the officers went to go check on him. Um, but, uh, they were, he's where she had said that he was sleeping, which was that building. Okay. Um, officers went to the building, but found it boarded up and were unable to get inside somehow. So police said Cheryl, uh, later told officers she had spoken with her son the day after he talked to Nicole that saying he killed Gonzalez. She said she had told Smith he needed help and to go to the hospital, according to court records. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she's like, go to the hospital, get help. You know, I don't know what's really going on. Um, Cheryl also told police her son had gone to Bridgeport Hospital, um, but he had later left after not being treated. So Smith did check into St. Vincent's Medical Care Center and was discharged Two days later, he went to CVS Pharmacy in Fairfield, Fairfield to fill several prescriptions. He was discovered in an aisle bleeding heavily from his left wrist. What? Which police, yeah, which police said he slashed the box cutter before collapsing on the floor. Smith was treated for this injury and was released um, from the hospital and the, uh, the hospital's behavioral health um, services um, since it was a, it was a self-infliction. Um, right. Neither the hospital nor the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services um, would confirm if that he was sought, that he sought treatment. Like they in the court hearings, like they'd never confirmed that they helped him. Well, can they even do that because of HIPAA? Um, I'm not sure if it like involves any sort of like allegations that involved murder. Uh-huh. But- that might be different. I actually don't know that. I should maybe look that up. Um, later in the month, Smith returned to Florida. Uh, he's not in custody yet. He told Madison, he, uh, the woman that he was staying with previously, that he was homeless. And she invited him back into her apartment. Um, she was fearing his health. Uh, she cared about him very much. And it was like starting to get colder in Florida. This, so the uh, lady from the professor from California. Correct. That okay. is in Florida. Okay. Um, so using Madison's computer, Smith continued working on his manuscript. He started working on his book again. He got it. He got his, his head straight. He's ready to go. He had just killed yep. somebody. He's fine now. He got his story. Yeah. He got yeah. his story on January 23rd, the following year. What year is this now? 2012? Uh, 13? Uh, I lost track. I'm sorry. It, it's 2011 when he moved to, to it's Florida. About two, it's about 2013. Sorry, when I was researching it, the years were kind of like all mixed up. That's okay. On January 23rd, I'm assuming it's 2013, the following uh-huh. year, Cassidy, a na- Cassidy um, the neighbor, that's uh-huh. their name. <laughs> looked outside and saw Smith um, by the road. He was skipping, laughing, and holding hands with Madison. Aw, he finished his book. Yeah, yeah. so, I don't I'm know. I'm just assuming. Uh, 
uh, the neighbor said I was excited for him because, you know, him, except he was a bit strange and a little different, but, you know, everybody marches to the beat of a different drum. Um, I'm really glad he had found somebody. Um, It's awful to think somebody has to go through life alone. It was nice to see he had somebody to share his life. So the next day at 7 p.m., Smith was taken in, actually taken into custody by police. Oh, Um, I don't think he's happy anymore. No, a neighbor saw um, the whole thing unfold. um, And then they were later approached by uh, a U.S. Marshal, or they were earlier, uh, earlier that day, um, approached by U.S. US Marshals who were seeking out Smith's home before he was taken into, taken into custody. He went down to the federal courthouse in Panama City and w- was asked to verify, the neighbor was asked to go down to the courthouse um, and to verify if Smith was who police believed he was. Um, so they know what's going on. They just need confirmation that, okay. that he was Tyree Smith um, from the neighbor. Right. Before they made any sort of arrest. Uh, when the neighbor returned to his apartment, he went to check his mail and wound up face to face with Smith. Can you imagine the no. like, fear? Like my heart would drop. I would be terrified. Oh, um, they're like, is this person who it is? Yeah, it is. That's Tyree. OK, cool. And then he goes back to work or goes back yeah, home to check his probably, mail and he's just there. Yeah, he's there. Um, so the neighbor was like, he's here. He called the marshal's office. 40. He was like, come and get him, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> please, please, please come get him. <laughs> 45 minutes later, a task force team swarmed the, the complex. Um, Smith was taken to Bay County Jail and made a brief appearance in court and was then flown back to Bridgeport alongside detectives Keith Bryant and Harold Dimbo. So he was flown back to... um, He was extradited. Yeah. Since news of the allegations against Smith spread, uh, Madison, who he was very close close with, was rarely seen outside her apartment. Calls for for comment by reporters were not returned, and neighbors said, uh madison's father had been seen staying with her i'm sure she was just heartbroken and so and terrified yeah so one of the neighbors who lived next to madison in lynn haven said that she blamed smith's mental issues for his alleged crime uh that would make a lot of sense uh she said he was under some kind of care and the day that he was uh arrest she mentioned the day he was arrested he had gone into town to the wellness center to try and get back on his medication um wow she blamed it on the state and they dropped the ball and let him back on the street so when uh, he when everything yeah so she 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 was just blaming on the street that like he she didn't get the the street the state that he didn't get the care that like he needed Right. Um, and he had a hard time getting his medication. Police uh, did seize two medications from Tyrene Trazodone and Cephalexin. Huh? Madison told police Smith had gone to Life Management, a local mental health facility, and was taking medication he brought with him from Bridgeport. Gotcha. Uh, kind of confusing, but he was seeking care and he had also gone medication from Bridgeport somehow. Okay. So one of the neighbors started also stated things started to get bizarre 
um, during his conversations with Madison after police left, she told um, the neighbor that Smith was a computer hacker affiliated with WikiLeaks and his arrest was part of a conspiracy. Uh, she said it was off the wall stuff. Um, uh, either she is 100% there or she loved him so much that she believed what he told her. I think it was the latter, yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of his family members uh, attended his court proceedings, except for Nicole, which he first confessed to his cousin. His family members and friends uh, also never responded to calls, emails, um, and visits, uh, e- emails and visits from reporters seeking comment. Wow. Um, so they went completely off, off, they ghosted the whole, the whole thing. So Tyreen was not convicted due to insanity and had right. ended up being committed for up to 60 years in a maximum security psychiatric hospital in Connecticut. Oh, so there's a lot, you know, his friends and everything had to say, but Smith's victim, Gonzalez's stepdaughter, uh, uh-huh. Odellis Van- Van- Vasquez, told the Connecticut Post she just wanted justice for her stepfather's murder. Uh, she said, here it is that my dad was trying to help this guy, telling him to come inside from the cold. If my father was helping him stay warm, what kind of person is it who does this? Who repays him by swinging an axe at him and hitting him so hard it blows his brains out? Oh. Uh, I just, like, I have so much sympathy, 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 sympathy for both sides because really needed excessive psychiatric care and um unfortunately gonzalez was there at the wrong time that is so sad so that is the cannibal story of tyree lincoln smith thank you for sharing that we're gonna go yeah i hope everybody stays safe over the weekend and that you enjoy uh our podcast and yes uh please follow us on um instagram and on facebook instagram and twitter at um dytms podcast um uh like us on facebook did you take my shirt uh our website is did you take my shirt.com our patreon is patreon.com forward slash did you take my shirt uh be a patreon list uh subscriber five dollars a month gets you access to our videos um and once we get more patreon donors then we can do different tiers and everything like that so the more you donate the more uh things that you get access to but for now that's what we got um and rate us leave us leave us a review if you can and um did you take my shirt? Thank you. No. For <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay.